Well, we're going to continue our look today at marks of a Christian. In particular, marks that seem to be disappearing from your typical churchgoer today as we as a nation are turning our back from God, turning our, our back on him and wind up pushing him out of our conversation and out of our lives. And so we've now looked at the mark of honor. And then last week we looked at the mark of purity. Next week, we're going to talk about integrity. Following that, we're going to talk about the mark of love. And then finally, on Thanksgiving Sunday, we're going to be talking about the mark of gratitude. Today, though, we're going to be looking at what is truly one of the most important and yet so easily forgotten, apparently, marks of a Christian in the world today. And that is loyalty. Let's all say it together. Loyalty. One more time. Loyalty. Let me give you an example of how it seems that our loyalty goes today. Two friends were walking through an African game preserve when they came across a lion. And the lion noticed them and it started coming toward them, roaring. One of the men just calmly put down his backpack and he started slipping on the running shoes that he had with him. The other man chuckled and said, you'll never outrun a lion. To which the other man calmly responded, I don't need to outrun the lion. I just need to outrun you. <laughs> Sad to say, that's about as far as our loyalty goes these days. Whenever push comes to shove, whenever it's me or thee, me takes precedence over thee. Whether it be another person or whether it be God Almighty. In this day and time, any time when there is any inconvenience or discomfort, that uh, impinges on our sense of loyalty. We just let it go and we look out for number one. Or when it comes to the Lord, we just do what we want to do and pay no attention to what he cares about. I may tell you all day long that I am loyal but in a pinch, the question is, what will the reality be? If you look in the New Testament, as we have this morning, we see a man who proclaimed his loyalty to Jesus strongly. And his name was Peter. Listen to these words. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. 
And all the other disciples said the same. You know the rest of the story. Before the evening was over, three different people came up and said, Hey, weren't you with that Jesus guy? And Peter basically said, Jesus who? What are you talking about? I don't know any Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever noticed how his refusal, his denial of Jesus grows. First of all, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he swore he didn't know Jesus. And then the last time he cursed and said he didn't know Jesus. You ever notice that progression? And I think that that is kind of the way the progression goes. The longer you go denying him without repenting and coming back to him, the stronger the denial becomes. It says at the end of this story in Luke that just as the cock crowed a second time, Jesus, who had already been beaten and was already hurting, turned and he looked at Peter. And it says, and Peter wept bitterly. Here's what we need to understand. But before I even go into what we need to understand, I must confess this was a very difficult sermon for me to prepare because as I looked at Peter and I looked at his denials and uh, read the uh, surveys that were taken about how so many people will say, now I'm a basically loyal person, but all these people around me are not. The thing is, I was forced to look in the mirror and see myself, and I fell so short. And so I want you to know I'm talking to myself as I'm talking to you today. And I have discovered, just as Peter did, no matter how hard you try, sometimes you're going to fall. Sometimes you just find yourself there after the fact. And it grieves us when it happens. And so I want to tell you what you do when you find out that you have been denying the Lord because you don't have to continue doing so. But this is what we need to understand. And a lot of people don't understand this. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. Let's say that together. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. In Proverbs 20, verse 6, it says, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. So what it's saying is that many will say we're loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? We have to learn as followers of Christ, not to just talk the talk, but to walk the walk, whether it's uncomfortable or inconvenient or not. Let me share with you one of the greatest illustrations of loyalty from sports history. If any of you know about Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson, back in 1947, they were both playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers. 
And they were very, very good friends. What makes this story and their story especially meaningful is that Jackie Robinson was the first African-American baseball player to break the color and race barrier. This is very significant. And even his own teammates were against him. All sorts of fans wrote death threats to Jackie Robinson. And all sorts of horrible things were said just because of the color of his skin. And when Brooklyn was playing Cincinnati, Jackie Robinson was playing second base and his friend Pee Wee Reese was playing shortstop. And the crowd started throwing all kinds of things and booing and yelling horrible things at Jackie Robinson. His white friend, the shortstop Pee Wee Reese, took his glove and he threw it in the dirt and he walked over to the second baseman, his friend, Jackie Robinson. He looked up at the booing crowd, looked at all of them, and then he simply did this. He put his arm around his friend and surveyed the crowd. The crowd went completely silent. Later, Jackie Robinson said that that one simple act did more than save his career. It probably saved him in more ways than he could ever imagine or than you could ever imagine. In fact, it was such an important moment and special moment in history that they even made a statue to symbolize this act of loyalty between two special friends. You see, loyalty is proven. It's not just proclaimed. Loyalty to your friends is proven, not just proclaimed. Loyalty to your spouse is proven. It's not just proclaimed. You know, I have performed, I counted up last night, at least 175 weddings in my time in ministry. And before I perform a wedding, I sit with a couple for six hours. I require them to spend six hours in premarital counseling over a period of time. It doesn't have to all be one marathon session. Sometimes it's had to be that way. But it, I've discovered it takes six hours for me to share with them everything that they need to know to have a good foundation for a good marriage. And so over a period of time, I give them those tools. And then equipped with the right knowledge, they stand before me and a congregation and they publicly proclaim their loyalty to each other till death does them part. It's a beautiful thing to see these two people looking in each other's eyes, very much in love. Sadly, though, sometimes I hear, oh, they didn't make it. And it grieves me when they did not because I gave them all the information they needed. And if they had put it into play, 
they would have had a blessed marriage because everything was right out of God's word. And oh, how it must grieve God when two people have it within themselves to make each other complete and help each other along in life. And yet, because they had rather be concerned about what they want instead of what the Lord wants and to let what they want override what God's, God wants, they miss out on the most blessedness that they could have in life. They forfeit a good future for a mess of porridge of some shape or another, in some shape or another. Loyalty is proven. It's not just proclaimed. Just because a couple stands and says, I will be faithful until death does it part. Those words have to be proven. When it comes to your country, loyalty is proven, not just proclaimed. When it comes to your church, loyalty is proven, not just proclaimed. When it comes to the Lord himself, loyalty is proven, not just proclaimed. Jesus asked this question one time, why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? Because we proclaim our loyalty just like Peter. But when push comes to shove, we forget the words because this is real life. And we don't realize that Jesus is right in the middle of real life. Some people, they don't stop and think about how serious all this Christianity stuff really is. They think it's about their opinions and they can rationalize and they can uh, just uh, take what they want and put the rest aside. And yet Jesus has shown us that he's very serious about every bit of this. So serious to him, it was a matter of life and death. And let's face it, whenever things became really inconvenient for Jesus, and when things got really uncomfortable for Jesus, he didn't betray us. He didn't give up on us. He didn't turn his back on us. He went ahead and he went to the cross. He remained loyal to his father and he remained loyal to you in making a way where you could find a place with him. He is deadly serious about this stuff. And we need to understand that the things we talk about are matters of life and death, not just matters of opinion and what we wish things were like. When we speak of the things of God, we're talking about a reality that is deeper than we could ever imagine. Peter made a big profession, but when it got uncomfortable and inconvenient, he turned his back on his Lord. I'm afraid that many who name the name of Jesus and have publicly committed their lives to him betray him just as blatantly as Peter did on a regular basis. And as I said, 
this has been a hard message for me to get together because I just started thinking. I could think back to times when I had been loyal. I must say, there have been times when I have been loyal to my friends to the point to where I would risk my life for them and have put my life and my career on the line for my friends and for my family. But then I can see other times when I just so easily turned my back on him and didn't even think about it till later. Such a precious relationship. And I denied my Lord. Here's a wonderful example of loyalty that we find in 2 Samuel. King David had a son named Absalom. It was his third son. And uh, his son committed a horrible crime and ended up murdering a fellow and went on run, the run for his life. He was very afraid, even though David was faithful to him. And about three years later, Absalom returned with a big army to overthrow his own father's throne. David had been faithful to him, and yet he was disloyal to his own father. And so now King David was on the run trying to save his own life. And there was this guy named Ittai. And Ittai showed up, and he was basically a mercenary. He uh, was the commander of 600 men. And Ittai, although he had no real interest, no real uh, stake in what was going on, volunteered to fight on behalf of King David. And in the story we read, uh, the king said to Ittai the Gittite, what was his mama thinking when he named him that? You know, Ittai the Gittite, I just love to say that. If nothing else sticks with you in this today, I bet Ittai the Gittite will stick with you. But uh, he said to Ittai, why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner. You're in exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday. Go back and take your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be with you. In other words, David gave him a free pass. He said, you don't have to fight this battle. Let's not see any of your men injured or killed and may, and, and or you as well. Just go, go home. But Ittai replied to the king, it says. Now watch this loyalty. This is the proclamation. As surely as the Lord lives and as my Lord, the king lives, wherever my Lord, the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. Not only did he proclaim loyalty, but let me tell you this. He proved his loyalty. He led his 600 men into the battle and he fought so faithfully that later David elevated him to be in charge of about a third of his troops because he embraced the virtue of loyalty. No matter what it costs me, no matter what anyone thinks, even if it costs me my life, you see, I'm not loyalty, loyal just up to a point. I'm not conditionally loyal.
My loyalty is with you forever. That's what Ittai declared and that's what he showed. Loyalty is the missing mark in the lives of so many Christians today. Ittai the Gittite was not conditionally loyal. And that's what a lot of us practice today is conditional loyalty. As long as it's convenient, as long as it's comfortable, I'm loyal. But let me tell you this, all loyalty, no matter what the arena or what the level, is born out of a divided heart. I ran across this confession yesterday that pretty well makes this point, and it lets us see right where that division occurs. It's entitled, Seventh Grade Boy Achieves Popularity by Betraying a Friend. It's written by a gentleman from uh, Wheaton, Illinois. Right after I finished sixth grade, my family moved to a new town. As I started uh, my junior uh, high, that, as I started junior high that fall, I suddenly found myself in a school I didn't know, in a town I didn't know, with people I didn't know. I felt very alone. Nobody knew me and nobody wanted to talk to me. Each day I would walk home alone wondering, is there a friend here for me? Then one day a kid named Earl invited me to his house after school. I jumped at it. Earl was kind of like the other kids, but he had shiny hair. Now that means that he was not particularly concerned about personal hygiene. Near his house, was a parking lot where the electric company parked its trucks and heavy equipment. Earl knew how to sneak in there, and we clambered all over the big rigs and the augers and had a lot of fun. Earl and I began to build a friendship. After a couple of months of sizing up this seventh grade classroom, I made an important realization. The kids who seemed to be the most popular, the kids who were really good at sports, the kids who had the best clothes, the kids whom the girls whispered about and blushed over were not Earl. They were two guys, Mike and Eddie. <coughs> so when Mike and Eddie finally invited me over to their houses, I was exhilarated. This was my ticket to the big time. But I had one problem. Wherever Mike and Eddie were, Earl was not. And wherever Earl was, Mike and Eddie were not. And if I was going to hang out with Mike and Eddie, I could not be seen with Earl. I knew it. So I made a decision. I went over to Mike and Eddie's houses and I struck up a friendship with them and I became in with the popular kids. When Earl called me, I kept putting him off by saying, I'm uh, kind of busy. All those years since that time, there's still a shame around that betrayal because the truth is, I betrayed Earl. 
I handed him another rejection in his life when he'd probably had so many. But I wanted something. I wanted that in. I wanted that popularity. If I had to hurt him, I would do it. Now you see, that is the essence of betrayal. I am willing to hurt you to get something for myself. All disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. Think about loyalty from God's perspective. God created us to show us his love and to have an intimate, ongoing fellowship with us. And he was so loyal to us that while we were still sinners, while we were being disloyal to him, he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins. Even when we were faithful or faithless and disloyal, he remains faithful and loyal to us. And here's what God asks for. Jesus told a guy one time, whatever the fellow said, Master, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, it's to love the Lord your God with part of your heart. Is that what he said? That's not what he said, is it? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all of your soul, and all of your strength. He wants all of our hearts. I can't speak for you, but I can tell you tragically, I've discovered he doesn't always have all of mine. I'm working on it, but I've discovered areas that I need to turn my back on and turn my face toward him time and time again. I have to acknowledge I have a divided heart before I can work on having it be a heart that is just solidified in my love for him. Many of you also, if you're really honest, you might do the same thing. You might say, I must admit, I can see now my heart's divided. But if that's all we do, we're never going to have a unified heart. Here's what James says. And I believe that there's some of you today that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in your hearts. Even as you hear these words, you're going to have an encounter with God and you will not be the same. You will hear this and understand that God wants to say something to you as he has said something to me. As I've studied and prayed through this text over and over again this week, James 4, 8 through 9. If you find that you have a divided heart, here's what you, here's what we must do. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Imagine the power of that. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. That's a promise. How do you draw near to God? Is it hard? No, you just stop. You let go of all the stuff that you've been hanging on to. You stand before him, acknowledging his presence, and you say, well, God, here I am. 
And as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you and you will know his presence with you. James also says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. We need to recognize that and repent. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts because your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And here's what he also says. Let there be tears for what you have done. Realize just like Peter, you have betrayed your Lord. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Now, this is something that I am incapable of producing in your heart. And I don't want to say you're bad, feel bad about it, because it just doesn't work that way. But what I do want to say is when I get close to God and I see his goodness and I see his faithfulness and I realize how faithful he's been to me, even when I have been such a traitor to him, it doesn't, if it doesn't drive me to my knees in repentance, then there's something very deeply wrong with me. Let it drive you to tears, to deep repentance, that God has been perfectly faithful to us, and yet our loyalty is divided between a little bit of him and so much of the world. I want God and I want my stuff. I want a little bit of God and I want a lot of what I want. I want to be loyal just as long as it works for me. That's where a lot of us have been. Let there be deep repentance. So where do you go from here? I would imagine some of you will need to go to your spouse or your family and say, it grieves me that I have been disloyal. I have belittled you. I've torn you down. I've been unfaithful with my eyes. I've been unfaithful with my actions. I've been unfaithful in so many ways. But with the power of Christ, I will be loyal to you. Some of you, maybe you need to go to your friends and say, I haven't been a good friend. I haven't been there for you. I haven't been praying for you. I haven't been in your life like I should be. I've been too consumed with my own stuff. I will be faithful with the power of the Holy Spirit. I will be a friend that sticks closer to a brother. I will be faithful to your church. And I must say the good news is that there are many of you who have been very faithful to your church. You recognize that you are the church and I praise God for you. Some of you, though, you're still just going to church. You're called to be the church and you still think it's a place you go. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, you will start to become the church and be loyal to Christ's church 
for which he died. And then some of you will have that miserable, aching feeling. Oh God, I've been disloyal to you. And it's okay to hurt and it's okay to cry. It's okay to get on your face and it's a good thing every now and then to say, cleanse me, change me, heal me. Because I recognize that disloyalty is a problem in our culture and I'm a part of the problem. With the help and the power of God through his Holy Spirit, because of the death and resurrection of his son, I will not have a divided heart. My heart will be sold out to him and to him alone. And even when I mess up, the good news is that he is still faithful, waiting and ready for me to come back and seek him with all my heart. And so I'm not there yet. But the good news is through grieving and repentance, I'm getting closer and closer. Let's pray. Father, I acknowledge that this is a tough message and that it may even blindside a lot of people. But God, we have to acknowledge that disloyalty is such an issue today. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to see in the mirror any part of unfaithfulness in ourselves. God, I see so much in my own life. And God, I don't want to live in the guilt but I want to feel the pain for enough to push me to serious repentance for you. God, I thank you that your forgiveness is real and that your healing is with us. And God, I ask that you would empower us to embrace and to live, not just to proclaim, but to prove by our actions loyalty to you with everything that's in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.